Welcome to the Living Movies Podcast, brought to you in part by Water and Shade Media. I'm your host, John Schindel, and today I'll be joined by Jared Bateman to talk about Pixar's first movie, Toy Story. So, Jared, did you do you remember watching this movie as a kid? Yes. I, in fact, I think it was the first movie I saw in oh, the nice. theaters. I would have been about the age of my youngest child at the time <laughs> it came out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, let's see. It was released in 95. So I think I might have seen it in theaters. That might have been one mom and dad sprung yeah. for us. We didn't see many movies in theaters. But, but man, I, I remember watching, oh, no. watching the heck out of this movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely... I, I want to say it wasn't one of the movies that I... It wasn't like, a, oh my gosh, I have to watch this every day kind of movie, but it was definitely like a classic. It, it definitely was. Well, and and I still I still quote lines from it with my brothers. Like there's, uh, gosh, Rex's line, I don't like confrontation. Or uh, <laughs> Buzz's line, not today. There's those are those are lines that to this day we still go back to, uh, just whenever. Yeah, that's really funny. I wonder. I mean, quoting lines from movies and things has definitely been a thing in our household and in my family growing up. We would go, oh my goodness, just constant, constant movie or TV show quotes. <laughs> I wonder when that became like a thing. You know what I mean? Like, has that always been a thing of like quotable movie quotes? You know, because it's there's something special to it. It's not just like a line from a book, like he's not a tame lion or something like there's a specific like inflection and everything to it. And you say it and it like calls up this whole, it's like pre memes and it calls it this whole, like the situation and the characters and everything that's going on and then fits it into whatever the the kind of social situation is. I I wonder, I wonder if that's a movie thing or if that was even like a play thing. If people did that for drop for like live action plays, if they would just quote. Yeah. I mean, I know I've definitely done it for, yeah, I've definitely done it in like plays I've been in. There's definitely been those like well, quotable yeah. moments, but that's because I'm a bit of a theater nerd, so I <laughs> can't say that that carries over to everyone yeah, else. I mean, that's, but that's with you and the cast. I'm and and I've done that too. Uh-huh. But but I guess the the movie, like you're saying, it's so much more, I guess, widely accessible that it makes me wonder if uh-huh. pre movies. I don't know. I don't know. That's an interesting thought, though. It, and I also wonder if it's a bit of a um, a gender difference as well, because I know like growing up, my mom would hardly ever quote, like there were a few, she had specific movie quotes that she would do, but she wouldn't keep up with like, no. <laughs> dad and I would be just like constant movie quotes back and forth. I mean, there were some movies that we could just about quote the entire thing, you know, because there are those, you know, extra yep. quotable movies. So I don't know. It's just, it's a weird kind of thing. I guess. I don't know. I know we did it. We did it with all kinds of stuff. We quoted, gosh, the the one that was, that we really loved when I was in high school was, Oh brother, where art thou? And we probably watched Mm -hmm. that movie once or twice a month and, and quoted it constantly. So it's a, it's a great movie. Great movie. But that's not the movie we're talking about today. We're talking about toy story. Oh, it's not. (laughs) So I know it's definitely one of those films that's got just its own place in kind of the 
I don't know, the hall of fame of modern cinema, which I guess is really kind of all cinema because <laughs> it's not that old just for being one of the first CG, the first fully CG cartoon and just how that kind of paved the way for what cartooning would become. So it's definitely interesting kind of how that allows for some very interesting cinematic stuff um, because you could kind of do different things easier when you didn't have an easel, so to speak. And so you had a lot of these shots and it's just kind of like the kind of some of the opening shots um, where Andy's playing with Woody and they're flying around the house and doing all this. Um, and everything's very kind of first person oriented as you're like in the scene through the eyes of a toy, as you're going down the banisters and flying off the couch and all this kind of stuff. And, and that's really something that I think is, is unique to what they could do just based on the medium they were using doing a, you know, a shot sequence like that when you had to, you know, paint each frame would just be kind of an arduous task and and keeping the perspective realistic when it's moving would be just, I mean, you drive people insane trying to make that. The 3d environment, all you're doing then is you're, you're throwing the object that is your camera on an arc and you're having it rotating while it's being thrown on that arc. So all you had to do is tell the camera where it's going and the computer's just going to go render it. And then you get to watch it. Yeah. So things like perspective yeah. are perfect. Well, and we see that even in modern movies where, uh, you know, you, you watch the latest Avengers movies and basically everything's CG, everything. It's basic. You're basically watching an mm-hmm. animated movie just with live mm-hmm. action faces. So they, they took, they were able to take the technology that was started that, that Pixar really pioneered and, and take it to, insane lengths to what we're seeing these days. So yeah, and this movie, it's what, 2020? This movie came out in 95. This movie's only 15 years old. 25, 25. wow, 25 years old. I did my math terribly wrong. Yes, I'm good at this. 25 <laughs> years old. I'm an engineer, it's okay. Uh, the movie's 25 years old. So I, my point was going to be it's not that old, but no, it's, it's an old movie. It's been around for a while. Yeah, but I mean, c- c- cinematography's not that old. Like cinematography is approximately a century I mean, old, which for an art form is super young, brand yeah. new. Yeah, um, <laughs> there are exactly one other art form that is as new as that, or which newer is... than that. Well, video yeah, games. okay, I'll give you that. Yep. Yeah, but cinematography is really not that right. old. Um, as an art form, um, and yet, you know, here we have this this movie, which is not that old, but it is that it old. Is. It is that old. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's kind of weird. Here we are. Neither of us are that old, and we can look at this movie that came out yeah. when we were kids, yeah, and be like, "This was the beginning of." Well, it was the know. beginning of so much. Well, I mean, let's let's just talk about yeah. that. It was the beginning of Pixar as a studio, um, and they've mm-hmm. done they've done an incredible number of movies and I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say all of their movies are worth watching. Some of them less so like cars too, Mm -hmm. but all of them are good. At least I enjoy all of them. So, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. as a, as a studio, Pixar has been great, but as a, 
as an art form, uh, Pixar is amazing and they're, they're incredible and they've only gotten better and better over the years. So, you know, this movie is where it all started with Pixar in conjunction with Disney and Disney really letting go and letting Pixar do their own thing outside of Disney. Um, I was doing a little reading on, on the production of this movie and Disney tried for a long time to keep, to keep toy story as a Disney movie. And so all of the ideas that would come in, they would have like weekly meetings or or biweekly meetings or something. And every time they came in, Disney would shoot down ideas and be like, no, we need to have the characters be more bland. We can't have them be so crazy and whatever. And so they got to the end of this process and they had a screening and it was apparently like the day of reckoning because the Disney execs came out of that movie, that screening and were like, this is terrible. What's going on? This is a horrible. And, and one of the guys, and I, I can't remember if it was John Lasseter, who was the, the director of toy story, or if it was uh, one of the Disney guys, but they were like, look, we haven't let them make the movie they wanted to make. We've, we've tried to change the movie to be what we want. We have to let them have control over their own movie. And so, so Disney really, they, they took their hands off and they let Pixar go wild. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've heard a story like that where you, know, you have some kind of visionary or somebody who's got this great idea for a story, um, and yet they're hampered by all the execs and higher ups who have, you know, there's this yep. particular brand, there's this, you know, particular like, oh, we can't offend this person or we can't, you know, do this or that or the other. And it really just puts so many artificial constraints yep. on what the artists are trying to accomplish that it just turns out just really crappy yeah. <laughs> because, you know, neither the people who actually had the idea got to do the idea and the people who were kind of making the decisions didn't really have an idea. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's obviously we're seeing the, the fruits of letting people who have a good idea yeah. So, so I'll, I'll continue on as I, as I kept reading about this movie, I found out that Joss Whedon and, and our listeners may or may not know mm-hmm. Joss Whedon. So he is, he's the guy that was the visionary behind the TV show Firefly. And then the movie Serenity, the Serenity that came after that. He was the visionary behind Buffy, the vampire slayer. Um, he did uh, the TV show angel. He's been a, a graphic novelist, a, a comic writer, he also was the director for several of the Avengers movies. Uh, the, the dude has, the mm-hmm. dude has made a name for himself. Well, he was one of the writers or one of the screenwriters for toy story. And it was his, it was, let's see, he, he brought in the character Rex, the green dinosaur. He tried to bring Barbies into the story, but they wouldn't, uh, Mattel wouldn't license Barbie to them. So instead of Barbie, oh, they funny. have Bo Peep because they could get Bo Peep. Uh, yeah, because that's yeah right. Name. And then uh, Joss Whedon was responsible for re-envisioning Buzz Lightyear. So originally, Buzz Lightyear was just some dim-witted space guy. Well, Whedon was like, "Well, but what if we have him be super self-aware? Like he thinks he is Buzz Lightyear, and like everyone's everyone's eyes got big and went, whoa." And that's really kind of what makes the movie. That's what's kind of like the... That is the movie. <laughs> I can't say the words I want to say because there are preschoolers. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's really the mind-blower. Yeah. Um, 
is 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 the whole identity crisis that Buzz Lightyear yep. has, which is really kind of interesting twist and really kind of makes you think. And of course, I mean, like all really good twists and really good things that make you think also throws so many plot holes into the rest yep. of the movie. You know, like why does he also know when to play dead <laughs> yeah. like yeah. everybody else? Yeah, there are, <laughs> yeah, there things are like definitely that. some questions. I can't imagine without Buzz Lightyear as yeah. we know him. Like it just wouldn't it make wouldn't. sense. It wouldn't. So yeah, that we can thank Joss Whedon for for those for those uh, additions. I thought I thought that was really interesting as we as I looked into it that you know this guy who's become a big name had well he 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 was a part of the the writing of this movie. So anyway, I thought I'd bring that up because that was fun. One of the things that I thought was really kind of interesting as I rewatched it was kind of rethinking how this relates to some other kind of similar genre movies like the Lego movie and uh, you know Star Wars and some other things like that which have really just which spawned off all these um, kind of merchandising spin-offs and just kind of thinking how that kind of plays out in light of the movie itself um, it's really kind of kind of the beginning of a lot of that merchandising that we see which is associated with literally every single children's movie that yeah. ever comes out or even like vaguely children. So the interesting thing, uh, you know, like Jurassic Park, which is really not a children's movie. No, but they still, they still <laughs> but market the crap out of it. Oh yeah. So the funny thing is I was looking, I was reading through Wikipedia and they apparently didn't have, uh, Disney didn't market this movie uh, with toys very well. Normally it was saying that they give, you know, 12 to 18 months to toy producers to make a full line of toys and then do their advertising and get it on shelves. They gave, they gave this movie like eight months and the peop, the guys that got the contract for making all the toys, there were some no name company that made like language toys or something. I don't remember what it was, but there were some, there were some podunk company. So, you know, we're talking about, yeah, like there's a lot of toy story stuff now. And that's one of the things that Disney hangs their hat on is their merchandising and Disney World and come experience Disney and and all of this. Well, they completely dropped the ball for Toy Story because they didn't think it was going to be a success. Uh, there was a there was a quote from from uh, uh, oh the Apple guy Steve Jobs because Steve Jobs was actually a part of Pixar at this time. So he was a part of the the producers on Pixar's side for Toy Story. So he was saying, look, if this movie makes like $50 million, then we'll we'll be okay. If it makes $100 million, we'll cover costs. Disney will be happy. If it makes like $150 or $200 million, then we'll be happy as Pixar and we'll actually make some money. Well, this movie ended up grossing $350 million worldwide. They did not expect this movie to do as well as it did. And it was it was the highest grossing domestic film of 95. It beat out movies like Batman Forever, Apollo 13, Pocahontas, which was a Disney movie, Casper, Waterworld, which is one of the one of my favorite movies, but also one of the biggest flops ever. And then Oh yes, oh, yes. Flop. it's a great movie. It's a horrible flop. And and then uh and then the uh, James Bond Goldeneye movie. And then so not only was it the highest grossing domestic film beating out all of those movies, it's the third high, at the time, at least it was the third highest grossing animated film of all time, 
beating out the Lion King and Aladdin. Wow. So this movie was a huge hit. It was massive, which they weren't yeah. expecting at all. They were not expecting this to go off as well as it did. And the funny thing is, as I kept reading, it was a nominated a nomin- it was nominated for three Academy Awards and it won all kinds of other awards that I don't know anything about. But it uh it was nominated, didn't win any of them, but it was nominated for best music both for original song and for the whole score. And then it was nominated for, for best original screenplay. Now it lost the Academy award for best music to Pocahontas. So take that for what it's worth. I don't, I, I guess, I guess I still remember some of those songs, yeah. um, but then it lost the best original screenplay to movies such as the usual spot suspects, Braveheart, uh, and then I don't remember. I don't know the other two. Uh, Mighty Aphrodite and then Nixon. I don't know those two others. But Usual Suspects is is high on most film gurus' lists of, you know, the best movies and as it's Braveheart. As it's, I mean, I really enjoy Braveheart. I don't. I don't know how many movie critics really love it, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. It was just like an eighty-minute animated yeah. film. Yeah, and wow. Toy Story was was in the mix for these things. It was crazy. So, yeah, like it. Yeah. So it's amazing that they didn't really capitalize on that merchandising. But I mean, kind of as you're looking at the, uh, you know, watching the film, um, it had this really kind of very positive imagination and creativity message about, um, you know, all the games that Andy's playing and even Sid. Um, you know, you always think Sid's the villain, but I mean, he's a really imaginative he kid is. too. Just constantly got this dialogue going on between him and you know Mission Control or you know the nurse or whatever. It's like this secret life of Walter yep. Mitty with a sadistic bent. Um, but they're really creative kids and they've always got something going on. You know, Andy's playing with Woody, who's you know saving the villagers from you know the evil whatever it is, <laughs> and Sid's trying to launch some army man into space, yep. Yep. <laughs> like. <laughs> The only real difference between the two is that, you know, Andy loves and cherishes and takes care of his stuff. And Sid is definitely just like very utilitarian. What enjoyment does the thing gives me? And it just kind of different ways of looking at stuff. So I don't know, were you a, a Sid kid growing up or an Andy kid? I think it depended up? on the toy. I, I mean, I beat the living snot out of some of our GI Joes uh, to the point of, grinding them on the on the pavement in the ground to give them wounds i I was definitely i definitely did some of those things but there were also uh, you know on the flip side of that there were gi joes that i loved and cherished and and those were the cool ones that i really loved and so uh, i i guess i was a little bit of both i was fine destroying toys that i didn't care about but when it came to the toys i liked i i really liked them yeah. And it's just, I mean, it is just an interesting difference in how imagination plays out in these two different kids that they're still both, you know, again, wildly imaginative. Yeah. I mean, Sid's like made all these weird toys. Like he's, I mean, the kid obviously needs like Legos or an erector set or something because like he's always building and rearranging yeah. these things and he's got these just like hideous monstrosities <laughs> that he's made. Right, you know, the toys are, of course, you know, just horrified by the things he's doing, which are, I, I mean, I remember watching as a kid, just being super freaked out by like uh-huh. the doll and 
some of the just weird wacky toys of the duck man and stuff like that and just like how kind of weirdly lovecraftian they were <laughs> yeah when he takes when he takes oh. the doll and the pterodactyl and switches their heads that the double brain bypass surgery which yes. of course <laughs> brings apart or brings about one of buzz lightyear's best lines is like i don't think that man has studied surgery or I don't, I don't think he's gone to doctor school at all. And what are you sitting there like, what? No, it's Sid, man. Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. furthering that. But yeah, no, Sid is, Sid is very creative. And, and so is Molly Sid's sister. Cause she's taking all of his cast off toys. I, she, they have the little tea party where she's, she's having tea with two decapitated ladies and, and then an aunt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Marie Antoinette and her twin yeah. sister. <laughs> and then a one-armed Buzz Lightyear. She's like, oh, I take all the cast-offs and I play with them and they're fine, whatever. Well, so yeah. I guess it, it goes to show as parents that uh, we don't always have to give our children the best toys, the coolest toys, the most expensive toys. Sometimes you can give them a, uh-huh. a box and they'll be cool with it. Just oh, like yeah. the box that Andy uses at the beginning of the movie. He, Well, he makes a whole village out of boxes and then towards i guess a little bit later he makes himself a little buzz lightyear costume out of boxes like this this you know uh, uh-huh. oh yeah, pretty, yeah andy pretty had a great imagination he was willing to he was willing to go for it yeah no i definitely want to say and, and gonna be honest toy story might be the influence for this but i was definitely an Andy. <laughs> i oh, even even the like the little green army men and stuff like oh no those were those were uh i mean i'd take them out and play with them outside and stuff like that but uh no i would not i would not you know throw firecrackers at them <laughs> or anything like that because you know i think there was like, a little part in the back of my head it's like what if they have feelings because right? <laughs> woody's gonna start talking to you and freak you out man Oh, yeah, I mean, I think, and again, this is just, I think, differences in personalities. Um, I was, I definitely cared about how other things felt. And so anthropomorphic stuff definitely got uh-huh. to me. Um, you know, and I would definitely feel like, oh, you know, my poor neglected, you know, stuffed teddy bear. I haven't played with him in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> I definitely blame Toy Story, at least in part, if not in full. For you know, that. I could I could get behind that. I could I could see that. That's that's not I never I never dealt with that. I I uh I don't know if it's just that I managed to maintain a healthy separation between me and my toys, but yeah, I I toyed I played with them when they were fun and I didn't when they weren't, then I could care less about that. But then but oh, then yeah. that's kinda how I am anyway. If it if if I have something that I really love, I'll keep it around, but uh, it, it it's a thing and I'm just fine. I'm fine. Just getting rid of it. Cause it's a thing. It is. It is just stuff, but I think there is, it's interesting. Wondering kind of what the message is from a movie like toy story. And I think there's a sense in which maybe the message is just kind of thought provoking um, more than much of anything that it's not, it was obviously not well, from what I can tell as the observer, it doesn't seem to be made with the same kind of intent that a lot of movies are made, especially anymore that they're, you know, trying to push some kind of like morals. Well, I think, 
I think it's more of a, I think it's more of an adult movie in that sense. Like, like you're saying, kids movies tend to try and push morals or push themes. Toy Story is more a movie about some people that are living life that have problems and need to solve those problems. And how do they solve them? You know, Woody's mm-hmm. Woody is living this idyllic life. He, he is the center of attention and he loves it. All of the toys love him. It's great. And then he has a crisis and his crisis is that mm-hmm. he's no longer the favorite toy. He's no longer the, the apple of Andy's eye and the guy that's taken over doesn't, even seem to care. And and so Woody has to deal with that scenario of what do I do now? My whole world is crashed around me. How do I solve this? And he tries to solve it by murdering Buzz Lightyear at one point. He tries to run him out the window using the little car thing. And it fails horribly. Yeah. And there's this whole, and each of the Toy Story movies kind of has this theme of like, um, what if your God forgets you or doesn't care that you exist anymore? Oh, that's And you're just another cast. Yeah. I, I mean, that's definitely something that the later, I definitely two and three touch on is that, you know, they're cast off toys and, and it's still in the first one too, because the whole thing about Andy's birthday is like, what new toy yeah. is it going to be? And is it going to be cooler than I am? Like, am I going to get sent out to the yard sale? And no longer loved. So the funny thing about that, though, is Woody's very nervous about the other animals. and But the other or toys, but the other toys seem to be excited about what's coming. You know, Rex is excited that there's going to be another dinosaur that, that he can chase and he can be the dominant dinosaur. And Mr. Potato Head just wants a Mrs. Potato Head. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a shift that happens as the movie progresses. Um, because in the beginning, there is this great big fear. That's why they send yeah, all true. the uh, army men down there is, um, you know, what if, and I don't remember which character it is that voices it. I don't remember if it's the pig or um, Rex or who is is nervous about being replaced and sent out to the yard. So maybe it's probably, it's probably Mr. Potato Head. And then at the end, you know, it's kind of like, we don't care because, well, I'm not exactly sure why, but you know, they've obviously kind of come to grips with it and yeah, and they know they're loved in some sense and they're not going to be replaced. It's more about what is the friendships that we yep. gain along the way. So I think I, I think honestly that's you know, talking about messaging for the movie, I think that's where the movie really really hits its messaging stride is that they're they're telling about a real life story about a real life I'm a fake real life person, but a real life person who has a real life issue who has to solve it and solves it horribly, horrible and in a very horrible way. And then he has to try and rectify those decisions and, and every bad choice ends up putting him in a worse situation. And so if you're talking about messaging, the message here is you might not be the favorite and that's okay. You might have to share the spotlight and that's okay. Because at the end of the movie, it's, it's Woody and Buzz and they're, and they're like co best toys and it's okay. And they're fine with it. Right. And there's also kind of for, for Buzz's Buzz Lightyear's kind of story arc. There's a lot going on yeah. there and it's his whole identity crisis and everything, but really kind of the end of it is, 
is resolving utility versus um, kind of innate worth. Yeah. Right? So Buzz's whole, Buzz Lightyear's whole thing is about I'm the hero and I'm gonna, you know, I have on this mission to save the universe from the evil Emperor Zerg and I'm gonna boldly go where no man goes and all this kind of stuff. And then when he realizes it, that's all fake, yep. um, that there's not really some crisis that he's supposed to solve. He He's not, you know, trained from birth or whatever it is. You know, he wasn't trained in the academy to go, you know, solve the world's problems. Um, and he really can't because he's just right. a toy. Like he can't even get out the window. Yeah. Right? Um, and so he's just despondent about it. And then, you know, what, what Woody teaches him is that he has innate yep. worth that his opinion of himself matters less than Andy's opinion of him. And Andy has marked him as his own. Um, and, you know, you can kind of make this kind of loose tie back to how we are also yep. marked and in our innate being, God yep. loves us. You know, whether we have bells and whistles or just a, pull string voice box um, we're still loved by god not because we're some hero who's gonna go you know actually save the world from mm -hmm. anything um, but because we have innate worth and innate love well and we're lovely because we're loved by god and so so yes. andy's toys are lovely yes. not because yes. of any innate quality in themselves they're lovely because andy loves them no matter what they are. Right. That is their innate worth, is that, that they, they are loved. loved. That's what that's what makes it, you know, that's why they're proud to be Andy's toys, is because they're loved by Andy. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I think Pixar might have uh might have thrown in some very biblical things on there in there on accident. Uh they might have rewritten yeah. some of those if they had thought about it further. <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't you? know. I because because it's it's, it's inerrant it's to innate. to us as humans that we that we are lovely and and why? Well, because someone loves us. Yeah. And because being loved is so important yeah. to us. And that's really why the toys hate Sid. Because they don't know that he right. loves them. And that's really why his kind of utilitarian approach to toys is terrible to the okay. toys as anthropomorphic creatures, because all they're good for is, you know, whatever enjoyment they give him in the moment. And maybe he'll come back to him yeah. later if he thinks they've got cool parts or whatever it is, but he doesn't innately love them the same way that like Andy innately loves his toys or even the other sisters innately love their toys. Right. Cause he, cause uh, what's her name? Molly. Molly definitely is. She loves the toys, not because of what they are. Cause she's, she has headless, headless dolls that she plays with. Mm -hmm. she, it, she, the, the status of the toy doesn't matter to her. All that matters is that she loves it and she's willing to play with it. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't say I thought of that before. That's a, that's an interesting twist on that movie. All right. Well, let's uh, now that we've dug deep into this and, and really been serious and stuff, let's talk about some fun stuff. So what in this movie do we think is aged the best? Like, is, the, is there anything in this movie that, that today still works just like it worked 25 years ago? Well, I think like everything, it's the stories and in this case, especially the voice oh, acting. The voice acting is incredible. It's great. 
and and the story is very timeless yes and we actually i mean we watched this movie with felix because uh the tv is in his room so if we're gonna watch screen we're gonna watch it with him so we did it over dinner and and he was just he he really liked the movie (laughs) nice so i think that we as adults can definitely be in some ways more cynical of things and i think especially younger kids are they're not looking at it and being like oh that mouth is super (laughs) awkward because that's what i was i was like oh my gosh were these mouths always kind of weird and i just never noticed noticed that (laughs) are the mouths weird it just weird i don't know i don't know what it was but this time through i was like "Mm, the mouths are i might have to go rewatch it and and go go look at their mouths because i'm curious I mean, the one mouth that you always see is is Potato Head's mouth after after all of his face gets knocked off in the moving truck, and you see just his mouth moving. That's that's hilarious. I think Mr. Potato Head is is genius and yeah. hilarious. Um, but I think one of the other things that's really a good and, and we kind of talked about this briefly earlier, but it really struck me this time as I was watching it is it's really promotes creativity yep. and really telling your own stories with your play. And that's something that I think gets lost. I mean, I don't want to sound like one of those like, back in my day, you know, uh-huh. they don't know how to make right? toys. There's some amount of truth to it, though. It, it reminds me a lot of like how I felt as a kid reading things like Calvin and Hobbes. Mm, uh, it's yeah. just this kind of example of brilliant vibrant imagination just running wild and all the bizarre things that are imagined with just you know cardboard boxes and squirt guns <laughs> or you know cardboard boxes and biscuit yep. potato heads becoming a transmorgifier uh, adventures and they don't know any better like you know oh if you're gonna play with you know one-eyed bart you should really buy the you know one-eyed bart trademark right. <laughs> right. guy or whatever you know like no you can just you can just play and it's, and it's fine. Yeah. Here are, you know, it, it, it you know, we'll make fun of, of people like Gwyneth Paltrow and her weirdo toys that are so nondescript, <laughs> you know, like the heck are you supposed to do with that? But at the same time, like there is something to, here is a cowboy. Uh-huh. Just play, just play cowboy. with him. Maybe it's not even a cowboy. Maybe it's just a guy just with a, a cowboy with a hat. hat. Just yeah. with him. So, uh, so that's true. I, I would say, you know, we're talking about what aged the best. I would say that just the animation itself, like it's, you, you said the mm-hmm. mouths. I, I didn't notice that, but, but gosh, you know, we talked about it for probably 10, 10 minutes earlier, but the animation I'd say still holds up. It's still really good. Oh yeah. And it's, it's great because it's this kind of, cartoony yep. style that really works yeah. um, and it's this kind of blend of cartoon and realism um, where you know proportions are basically uh-huh. right um, it's not like <laughs> the more and more recent movies the proportions become more yeah. and more cartoony but the proportions are they're basically right, right. Woody's head and, is really really long yeah but Woody's a toy yes. yeah so to yep. be expected, you know, and in that it's cartoony, right? You know, it's it's to emphasize certain things. You know, he's this kind of gangly, raggedy, you know, ragdoll yep. kind of thing. 
Buzz Lightyear is this you know more chiseled kind <laughs> of um, whatever he is. Yeah. And so that style really does work very well. And that is a timeless style, I think, of just you know, because it's not constrained to like, well, you know, how well did you render the hairs or you know, <laughs> blades of grass or you know, milk splash yep. or something like that? Yeah, nobody cares. It's cartoon. Well, <laughs> and they're, and they're coming cool. movies. Pixar will will play with that. I mean, Monsters Inc. I remember I remember seeing Sully's hair. Like they they worked really hard on that. And then the hair oh, and yeah. brave, like they, like Pixar, Pixar was oh, on, yeah. on the cutting edge of technology every time. And, and this movie is no different. They were just at the very beginning of it. Yeah. And if you take a still shot from Monsters Inc., for instance, which I think has a much more similar style to Toy Story, like it's obviously like it's the same yep. cartoon. Yeah. So the, the, the animation definitely holds up. The songs are great. I think it's still a great score. They, Very yeah, movie. they are. They the way they used music in this was interesting. Oh, that was something else I I realized or I I read when I was doing some research on this is that Disney wanted to have this be a musical because Disney's all about musicals. And hmm. John Lasseter and the creative team for Pixar were like, no, 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 this is not a musical. That's weird. This is a buddy cop movie much like 48 hours or uh, gosh, the odd couple. Like this is, yeah. this is an odd buddy movie. Yes. And you know, uh, uh, music is weird for this. It doesn't work. We don't need our characters to be introspective. We need them to like punch each other. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's a weird enough suspension of, of disbelief that you have anthropomorphic toys throwing in a musical on top of it. It's just like, yeah, it would have been a step too far. So not having it be a musical, I think has aged really well. And it's really made a distinction between Pixar movies and Disney movies where Disney's are the musicals and Pixar is not. And which one is generally the more lasting story? Oh, that's a whole nother, it's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about what has aged the worst or what's aged the worst here. And the couple things I could think of is the pizza planet guy. He, he stops at a gas station to ask for directions to go to a place. Ah, and yes, that I hadn't even thought of that, but yes, that is right. So, cause that's what yep. he's doing. He's asking for directions and, and, and that just wouldn't happen these days because well, the pizza delivery guy would have either his phone or a dedicated GPS unit that the pizza place gives him to get him to places like, so that's not going to happen. So that's, that's a little outdated. The other thing is pizza planet as a whole. Do kids go to places like Chuck E. Cheese's anymore? I I mean, mine don't. I think I went like three times when I was a kid. So at least I knew what it was, but. Yeah. Like I'm sure they exist, but that was really a nineties thing, man. This is another one. I don't know if it's aged well or aged poorly, um, but the whole like single mom thing, both of the families in the movie are single. I don't know. No, no that's not true. It has a dad. a dad. He's asleep on in the easy chair uh, when Buzz Lightyear watches the commercial. Because that's why Buzz that's is right. saved from the dog. Because the dog hears dad sleeping. So Sid actually comes from a two-parent home. Whereas 
I don't know. Does does and, uh, Andy? That's his name. Duh. Andy. Andy's mom. She's clearly single. Right. Which is like sort of a typical Disney thing that the antagonist never has a complete parental uh-huh. unit. And the thing is, it really doesn't have anything to do with the rest no. of the story. It really doesn't matter. It wouldn't because because Andy's mom is such a she's only there for the utility of being that person that it wouldn't matter if some of those scenes are with Andy's mom and some of them are with Andy's dad. It'd be like, well, okay. Whatever. Or grandma. Like it would yeah, exactly. It just it would not make a difference to the yeah. story. It, it so I don't, I don't know if that, if that has aged well or poorly or anything. I, I just, uh, I, I feel like that's very in line with, with uh, the way Pixar does things. Huh. So yeah, that's true. But I mean, it's really hard to think of things that didn't age well in the movie. Like, there's not a lot of dated references. It's all pretty much contained to common knowledge. Yeah. So I think I think I think overall that the movie has aged very very nicely and very well. So let's see. I mean, I guess we've we've talked around a lot about this movie, but do you have any favorite? favorite scenes or favorite moments in this movie that, that really stick with you and either make you laugh or, or parts that you look forward to anytime you, you see it. Well, I think there's definitely a, a good and the bad and the ugly scene. I think the best scene is the, the final car chase. Yes. Um, when they're trying to catch up and they're, you know, they've teamed up, they're working together and they're going to get back with Andy and, and you just get that kind of uh-huh. thrill uh, I just lit a rocket. Rockets explode. Yeah. yeah right. And, and all this, and it's falling with style. <laughs> uh-huh. It's this great moment. Yeah. It's bad, which I mean sad, is um, you know when Buzz Lightyear tries to jump off the railing and, and loses his arm. That's just so... So sad. I always remember it being sad as a kid, just like, oh, you can't do it. And now he's realized he's a toy and he's broken. Yeah. It's just, even as a kid, you feel the sadness in what what Buzz is going through, even though he like doesn't really say anything. Just between the yeah. music and the scene, it's 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 very sad. And then I've already discussed the. Um, the really unsettling scene in Sid's bedroom when all the toys come out. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, especially the first time. There's like the the doll head on the spider legs uh-huh. and uh, you know weird like crane with the Barbie doll legs on it. It's just like super unsettling. Those ones, those ones are great. But it is it is great. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Uh, let's see. So I I love when when uh, Buzz Lightyear first shows up. And, you know, he's checking the bed and he's checking the temperature and there's no signs of intelligent life anywhere. And then he turns and there's Woody's face. Hello. (laughs) You know, the comedy beats are, are just on point. And that, so that whole scene, I love that whole thing. You know, it's the, it, it, uh, it has, you know, the, it's not, it's not a laser. It's just a little light bulb that blinks. And then it has, Buzz Lightyear doing is falling with style around the bedroom, and it's just it's a great scene, start to finish. I love that one. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of good scenes in this movie. Also the the army men, the army men are great. Oh yeah, 
my wife is cracking up. She's like, I don't know why, but this is like my favorite scene. It just gets me. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. So uh, I guess that we've got, I've got a couple, couple other categories here. We've got uh, some, I mean, we could nitpick the movie. Uh, you, you've already talked about how on earth does Buzz Lightyear know how to be a toy? Like to, to take a toy pose, even though he thinks he's Buzz Lightyear. This is the one I wanted is like, do all the toys think they're the real deal until like they show up? Like, did Woody really think he was Woody until like somebody told him? Did they all go through that identity crisis? And then like rewatching it, I was like, no, obviously not because Woody is just like, you know, taken aback that Buzz Lightyear really honest to goodness thinks he's Buzz Lightyear. Like the buzz. Well, Lightyear. and then you look ahead to the second movie, and Woody finds out that he has a thing, and and there is a real Woody the cowboy. Yeah, right. Huh. And they find the other Buzz Lightyear who also thinks he's really the real Buzz Lightyear, and and they have that whole thing all over. Which again. is one of the best scenes in the second movie, but we're not talking about the second movie, are we? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. So yeah, you can you can pick the pick all the nits on this one just because there are so many of them and so many unanswerable questions. But uh, so I'm curious, have you watched this? With I have kids? not. This is so, and and here's the reason why. So let's let's get to to the, I guess I guess the last bit. That's uh, some warnings for conscious parents. There is a lot of name calling in this movie. There's a lot of idiot and stupid, and uh, I think the word moron is used and imbecile. Like there's a lot of name calling and I'm not super okay with that because my children pick up on name calling so quickly. And, and that's a, that's a battle that we fight in our household is that no, no, you, you call people by their name. You don't call them by derogatory terms. So, so that's one, that's one thing that does happen in this movie is there is a lot of name calling. The next thing is, is my children, some of them are very, uh, sensitive. They're sensitive to strong emotions. They're sensitive to scary things. And like we've said before, Sid and his bedroom are very scary. So mm-hmm. we haven't. Now we'll probably watch it soon. We watched we watched The Lion King a couple weeks ago, and and the girls did okay because I was able to walk them through it, and you know I prepped them for it. Like, look. This is going to be scary, but it's going to be okay. Just just bear with this scene and it'll all end up fine. And so with a little bit of forewarning, they were okay. So so they might be okay with this one, but but that's so that's the other reason. One, there's a lot of name calling. And two, the scenes with Sid are are they're they're legit terrifying because Sid's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So we've we've shied away for those things. Now if you, dear listener, if your children don't deal with name calling or name calling is not an issue, then clearly that's not an issue. And if if they aren't super sensitive for for Sid being scary, then well, that's not really an issue either. So, you know, I I feel like this movie is approachable for for a lot of children and for a lot of families. But there's there are families that it's still not okay for because of those things. Um, there's a little bit of violence and that there's a little bit of fighting here and there. Um, a combat Carl gets blown up, 
And so that's kind of gruesome, but you don't see it. It happens off stage, And then all of the pieces fly into the window where the children saw it blow up. So that's kind of gross if you think about it, but I guess we're just not going to think about it. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of violence, but, but again, that's, it's a lot of that violence revolves around Sid and Sid being Sid and him playing with his toys in ways that are, uh, not yeah destructive. destructive and and it does it does show that like you said that maybe being destructive to your toys isn't the greatest thing ever so maybe don't do that uh, so so that's no so we haven't watched it with our children and it's because of those things and so those are those are really the only warning signs i see in this movie is like i said there's a little bit of language there's a little bit of violence there's a little bit of uh, scary scenes scary thematic scenes but other than that I don't know. We'll probably watch it soon. It's definitely a movie that I think like it's not just lots of flashing lights and fun songs. So the little, little, little kids are not going to enjoy it quite as much as those who can actually sit through an hour and a half right. story. Well, and the other thing is it's not, it's, it's not a series of vignettes. So we watched Bambi not too long ago mm-hmm. and Bambi is very much just a series of vignettes. It's just, you know, a bunch of isolated little things, you know, this is Bambi meeting his friends. This is Bambi sliding on the ice. This is Bambi doing something else. And then at the very end of the movie, you get the culmination of the story. Well, this is Bambi's mom dying and dad showing up and Bambi has a Bambi finds a wife and Bambi has a kid. And you know, the last 20 minutes of the movie is the actual story. But up until that point, it's just a bunch of vignettes. So I, like, I think you're right. To to enjoy Toy Story to its fullest, you have to be able to sit through a movie and follow the story because there's a lot of story that goes on. So I, I would I would say that it does require a certain level of understanding for the child to fully uh, fully enjoy the movie. But then again, like you said, uh, your son enjoyed it quite a bit just because it's flashy and fun. Yeah. So. I say that, and he definitely did to a certain point, And then, I mean, he's a little kid. So he's going to get bored of whatever's yep. happening after, you know, half an hour or an hour of it. And he's going to want to go crawl around and poke something else and, you know, do whatever else it is that's different. So, I mean, that's kind of what I mean by like, he wasn't going to sit through right. the whole thing. He really enjoyed, you know, I'd say at least half of it. He sat there and, you know, reacted to what was going on. But I mean, I can imagine even a three or four year old not really sitting through it all that well because it's not just a series of vignettes. It's not fun, catchy yep. songs. It's not a musical. It's not a musical, and that's where that's where I think the Disney movies do lend themselves to a younger audience because they are musicals and they are catchy and they are fun. All right, if you've made it this far, listening, thank you so much for hanging out with us and 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 listening to us. If you really liked us, tell, tell someone else about us too, and, and tell them to listen to our, our terrible show and, and they can enjoy it too. But yeah, that's all I got. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh, on behalf of myself and Jared, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad you stuck around and gave us a listen. And I guess to infinity and beyond. To infinity and beyond. <laughs>